Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In about 20 minutes, the city of St. Paul will make history, and it's freaking some people out. Welcome to Drive Time with Russia. It's Jason. So glad to have you hanging out with us this afternoon and evening. St. Paul, Minnesota is about to swear in an all-female city council. Not many cities around the country have ever had this happen. It's a very short list. St. Paul has more than 3,000 residents. All women elected to their city council. Some are freaking out. The left's, this is the left's vision for the future of America. Men not welcome, says Charlie Kirk, who's a conservative uh, host of a podcast. ESPN's Jason Whitlock, or wherever he works now, he's on a podcast. What's with all these angry men on podcasts, by the way? Men are history. We surrendered. It's our fault. We rolled over out of cowardice. My question to you. All women on the City Council of St. Paul. Is this something to be celebrated? Or is this a sign that right now in 2024, men are not welcome? 651-461-9226. Men are not having a moment. Is that 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 is sort of my take on this? Now, let's be clear. Being a man in America has been and continues to be a pretty good deal. It's pretty good to be a man. Is there a city council of all women in St. Paul because The residents of St. Paul said, you know what? We are all in on identity politics. We are voting for women. Screw you men. We're sick of men. It's over. We're voting for the ladies. Zero percent chance that's how people voted. Zero percent chance. Men were running for some of these seats. They lost. There is an election. The women won. Did the women win? Or did individual women who ran individual campaigns win? That's what I think happened. I do understand why men, in some cases, feel afraid. 
And I think it's because being a man in this country generally means you don't have to think about being a man. You apply for a job. Being a man is not something you need to think of. It's not something you need to worry about. Being a woman comes with additional things to worry about or to think about. How do I dress? How do I position myself? Am I old enough? Am I experienced enough? Am I feminine enough yet powerful enough? As a man, you just pretty much come in and do your man thing. That's it. Is this the left's vision for the future of America? Men not welcome. 651-461-9226. Is this something to celebrate? I think it's kind of cool. I don't know that it's... I guess that's about it for me, right? I think it's kind of cool. It's never happened before. It's sort of, uh, Dan and I were talking about this before the show. You called it a quirk of this particular election. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with what you said, that I don't think people in St. Paul were thinking, you know, what we really need is an all-female city council. I think each ward looked at the candidates and, you know, voted for who they thought would best represent their interests. And it so happened that that turned out to be all women. Now, having said that, if it's the historic nature of the fact that it's a city that size, it has an all-female city council— is something, to, in my opinion, to celebrate, if for no other reason, then it sort of marks a point at which we can say gender is not an issue anymore. Like you said, when you, know, if something, when you apply for a job, do you have to think about the fact that you're a guy? No. If you have to think about your fact that you're a woman, yeah, sometimes you still do. But in politics these days, not so much. Not so much anymore. And I think that's something to celebrate, that it, it isn't, there isn't that gender distinctiveness anymore, that it's just a matter of who's the best candidate. I just think that it's it's sort of the luck of the electoral process. This texter says, I'm fine with all women on the city council. The problem is they're all liberal nutjobs. Well, I mean, you know. Let's talk to Tom in St. Paul. He's on the CCO Talk and Text Line, 651-461-9226. Tom, uh, many people celebrating the fact that this is a, a very rare and historic moment, all, all women on the City Council of St. Paul. But there is pushback. What do you, which, I guess, which side do you think is right? Well, I voted, and uh, I live in St. Paul, resident. Um, I'm I'm fine with it. If they're the best candidates, no problem. If I recall my vote, I voted uh, majority women. I voted, did vote for one or two, uh, one, one male guy, one male candidate for sure. But um, that's fine. I, I don't see it as a, a negative against men in general. I think people are taking that opinion are way out of the way, way out of the out of line there. So, yeah, my opinion. Very good. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. That's Tom at 651-461-9226. I'm glad the people voted and people they chose got elected, says one texter. Uh, But they already gave an indication of how St. Paul is going to be run this year. Uh, They said they were going to be weeping today. Well... 
you know, is that a problem? Shouldn't be. Six five one four six one nine two two six. The the broader issue here is that there is a war, a cultural war going on, and men feel under attack. But I don't think that's the real war that is that is going on right now. Yes, are men losing power? Yes. Is that scary? Yes. But men are losing power from having 98% of the power or whatever the number is, right? So the the perception of loss here is real. Dan and I, I, I am more empathetic to the whiners, you to are. the men out there who are whining about this. Because I do think there is a real shift that's happening out there. I also happen to think that it's good. I think that it's good that the shift is happening. Because you're talking about a shift from 98% control to 78% control, which is still significant. And we're, you know, those numbers are right. We're making them up, but they're not far off. Uh, They're still like if you added up all the city council members in the entire United States, which gender do you think would dominate the number of seats in those in that group? It's men, and it's not close. Let's just be honest about that, okay? So the fact that one city council, through you know a fair and yeah. impartial electoral process is seated by all women is not a threat to men everywhere. And I think anybody that feels threatened by that needs to get, I mean, look, you got people on social media, like you, you quoted that are, I mean, those, those guys are professional pot stirrers. I get that. They're that's you know, like, they got us talking about it. So fine. But if you genuinely feel threatened as a man, I, you know, there's lots of good therapists out there that I think you'd be well off talking to. Cause it's just absurd in my, in my opinion. I don't think it's absurd. I don't. We disagree. About yeah. yeah. You are looking at this from a from the overall societal viewpoint. Right. On an individual viewpoint, you as one guy, I can understand how you would perceive that you have a disadvantage. What you really have is closer to a fair shot. <laughs> it's not really a disadvantage, but it feels like a disadvantage because you used to have a giant institutional bias in favor of you because you were a guy. If you were up against a woman, generally speaking, you would have the the deck stacked in your favor. And I think you still largely do. That's just, that's but it's just not stacked as much in your favor as it used to be. That is still a loss. I do think that people feel that they have a disadvantage. And they don't have a disadvantage, but but if you used to have a 100% advantage right. and now you have a 70 or 60% advantage, that's a major shift in your worldview. It just is. I, I don't disagree with that. The reason that I don't have the empathy that you have is because I think I think that it's almost, and I'm not accusing you of this, but yeah. it's almost borderline condescending to say to people that, well, there's people out there that just can't take that larger viewpoint of it. No, of course they can't. They choose not to. But I think anybody can well, take that view. Why should they, though? Back. Why do you have to – why, as an individual, should you have to take the larger view? Your life is what you care about. Not everyone is in charge well, of like and I, having – and I think that's – I think that goes to a much larger societal problem that we have, that we're all so focused on ourselves and our lives and not on how do we work together to make society a better place. Well, but I think a huge number yeah. of our political problems and yeah. a huge number of our social problems are down to I got to get mine. 
I get that. In and theory, I don't, have, I don't have empathy for that. I but just when, don't. when you're applying for a job and you're unemployed and you feel, and again, I'm not saying that I agree with this viewpoint. I'm saying I do have empathy for the fact that your world has changed. Your world has changed. Uh, part of what our goal here is to try to talk about these things so you understand that men are not the target. No. Men are not uh, getting screwed in this deal, in my view. Women are getting closer to having a fair shot. And so is that hard for men? Yeah, I think it is hard. 651-461-9226. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Lots of text coming in. We'll share that. Welcome your phone calls too at six five one four six one nine two two six. In just a couple of minutes, Saint Paul for the first time will swear in an all female city council. Seven women are all under the age of forty. Six are women of color. So. Lots of storylines here to talk about, but these storylines do have some people feeling threatened. I'm more empathetic than Dan is to those feelings of threat because you can talk about the big picture. You can talk about the societal implications, but if it's you applying for a college or applying for a job, whatever the case may be, I do think that men who used to not have to think about their manness when they apply for a job or an opportunity uh, now are, you know, realizing that they're thinking a little bit about it. First-time texter. I'm all for an all-women council. As a dad of three daughters, I'm excited the world is becoming a place where they will have opportunities my mother and grandmother didn't. If they work hard, I think where it becomes an issue is where it gets credited as a victory over men rather than just being the people choosing the best human for the job. That's from Ben. Ben, you said it perfectly. And I will confess, when I see some of the coverage, hey, it's an all women city council. I do feel a little like, so what? Right. And I've written stories before about the best, you know, a trend in the wine business with women as sommeliers or women as. And you know who doesn't like that? Often the women in these stories don't like it. They're like, you know, I would just like to be recognized as one of the best, not as one of the best women. I'm like, I get that from a media standpoint, though, you're sort of telling a story of something that's different or new. And that, I think, is why the St. Paul City Council right now is getting a lot of attention. Is this going to stay, this sort of attention? No, I don't think so. But I do think this idea that men have lost, that men uh, are somehow part of a vision where men are not involved, I just think that is absolute nonsense. 651-461-9226. If you have a mother, a sister, a daughter, a female friend, or any women you care about, you should be thrilled to see that pendulum is finally swinging in a direction where women have a chance. Another texter, when the city council was all men, 
Did that mean society was saying women are not welcome? Well, to a certain degree, yes. (laughs) Yes. There was an idea that women don't have the temperament to be elected officials. I think we know that's nonsense, but even in the city of St. Paul, uh, eight years ago, there was only one woman on the city council. Now, does this mean that we should look at our city councils and say like, well, you know, I mean, to have a successful city council, you should probably have like three women, one non-binary person. No, no, that's not what I want. I don't think that's what most people want. But it does mean that when women run, they've got an equal shot. And that the voters pick the best people that they thought would represent them. Is that, uh, if that threatens you, well, first of all, why didn't you run? (laughs) I mean, you can run too. No one's stopping you. Uh, But I, I think... I think it's a good thing, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's sort of my take. Jason, in my opinion, the people that have real gender issues are the ones that think the fact St. Paul has an all-female city council is in itself an issue. Jason, the haters need to suck it up and take it like a man. (laughs) And that is the last word. 3.30. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Very interesting story today in the Sahan Journal talking about some of the issues in trying to get uh, the legislation lined up for Minnesota's new marijuana law. The roadblocks, what the issues are, what is the latest when it comes to legalizing marijuana. We'll talk with an industry lobbyist when we come back here on CCO. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I don't know if I thought the implementation of the new recreational marijuana law would be easier than it's gone, but it certainly has not gone very easily. The state doesn't have a permanent director for its cannabis office. Uh, Low-level marijuana convictions were supposed to be expunged and There's supposedly some sort of technical issue that's delaying that. Just a lot of questions as we get closer to hitting the point where recreational marijuana could be legally sold here in Minnesota. So to get a a 
a handle on sort of what's going on and maybe where we did expect things to be. Curtis Hanna joins us in studio. He's a lobbyist with the cannabis consulting firm Blunt Strategies. Curtis, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. How would you characterize how things have gone? I would say that they're going on pace. I mean, part of uh, the work that I've been doing for the last 15 years to try to legalize cannabis, it required a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that even after the legislature passed this into law, a little bit more patience is required. (laughs) (laughs) You you sound very calm about the situation. I, I, I suppose I had expected, because so many other states have gone down this road already, that it would be a smoother path for for us to be able to follow what some other states have done. What 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 have you found uh, the major roadblocks to be so far? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the problems is just a matter of inertia. We've hmm. had cannabis prohibition for over fifty years in Minnesota, and now we're trying to roll all that back all of a sudden. Um, I think that the administration is doing a fairly good job, but. Good or bad, uh, we had cannabis legalized in a legislative session where massive amounts of other bills also got passed that also need to be implemented. So, like I said— Because it was so busy at the legislature, there is a lot of change and a lot of new regulations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and we're putting together a brand-new state agency with this new law, and that requires uh, a lot of new hires, bringing people in from other agencies, and then those— Positions need to be filled. So it's a very complicated process. Um, And, yeah, we're doing the best we can at Blunt Strategies to help the administration through it. What, you know, there's no permanent head of the Office of Cannabis Management. I'm a big fan of uh, Charlene Briner, who is the interim head. She is, uh, I've known her since uh, years and years ago when she worked for the Minnesota Department of Education uh, she knows government. She knows regulation. She knows the administration. Uh, but as as far as I know, they still haven't even posted uh, this job a second time after sort of a failed hiring the first time around. Right. That's my understanding as well. Um, I was, Does that matter? <laughs> well, it's my understanding that it will be posted imminently. Uh, the process is ongoing. The, the governor just this last week said that um, he would like people to start applying again. And so it seems as though. Uh, yeah, people will be able to apply very soon. When when do we expect uh, businesses to to actually be forming here in Minnesota? The dispensaries, the places where people, you know, right now there's sales happening on some uh, Native American reservations. But but as far as what people really expect from this, which is you know the private industry setting up, what what's what's your guess as to when we'll start seeing that? My best guess is quarter one of 2025. So really another full year. I think so. I mean, they have to write all of the rules uh, to implement the statute, and then they need to open up the application process. And then hopefully we don't have any big lawsuits that prohibit the administration then from uh, putting those – to actually Mm. issuing those licenses. Curtis Hanna is our guest. He is the public policy and government relations specialist at Blunt Strategies. It's a firm that does lobbying here in Minnesota. And you've you've uh, done this work around the country, right? No, I've just or been just doing here, it here for the last 15 years. Yeah. All right. Um, the expungement issue. I will say personally, I don't really care that much about the legalization of marijuana. I didn't really care about the criminalization of it. So I'm sort of ambivalent about it. What I'm most intrigued and excited about 
is the fact that people who have low-level marijuana convictions under this legislation should get a fresh start because a lot of, I, I think the data is clear that the enforcement of these laws were not directed against, uh, uh, directed towards the white high school kids or college kids in our suburbs, but they were largely used against minorities, people of color, people of poverty. So the idea of expunging this is very appealing to me. Uh, the Sahan Journal, in the story they published today, uh, indicated that there are some some real bumps in that road. What? Where are we at on that? Yeah, essentially the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension and DPS uh, in Minnesota have said that there are software issues that are preventing them from being able to go back and automatically do all of these expungements. But once again, like I was saying earlier, a lot of other legislation passed last session, one of those was the Clean Slate Act, and that has a lot of overlap as well. And so actually the uh, purview that the administration is actually being asked to expunge goes way beyond just cannabis offenses. So 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 you believe it when they say that the software won't won't let them quite figure it out? It's hard for me not to believe them. I yeah. think that uh, the tone it is, of it's the— It is. It's very easy for me not to believe anyone. <laughs> the, <laughs> the tone of the Walls administration since before he became our governor was that he wanted to legalize and expunge records. And so I take him at his word, and at the same time, it's like a trust but verify thing. Um, I certainly will be advocating and talking to them, asking them to speed it up, but uh, I know it's coming, so that's the good part. What when you look uh, ahead over the next you know couple of months and as the legislature gets back in session, what are some of the things as you look towards towards this next session that you're watching or you're interested in? The main goal of this next session is playing defense, which is way easier than playing offense. But Minnesota set up a program that benefits small craft industry and it disfavors large multi-state companies from coming into Minnesota and dominating the market. So really, it's a session of trying to fend off uh, large changes from the current law. So is your concern, I guess, that opponents of uh, recreational marijuana will try to roll back some of what we've seen in the legislation? No, I don't think that that will occur. However, I could see uh, companies that are extremely large and have presences in multi many states around the country uh, wanting to amend Minnesota's law uh, to benefit their corporate interests. So explain that to me a little bit, because I think, uh, you know, as someone who's traveled, you see like in the Chicago area or in Las Vegas, you do see like these giant, beautiful, fancy dispensaries. Are these uh, are these like chains like a like a restaurant yeah. would be like a mcdonald's or something how de- describe sort of how the business is operating yeah the industry is very weird in that you cannot uh, transport cannabis across state lines and so businesses do have to set up shop in each state that they go to but they the trend has been to just replicate their own uh business practices in new states as they come online. Huh. But Minnesota's law is set up to to really benefit Minnesotans and to make it so we can get into this industry. Minnesotans can be running these businesses. That is the clear the intention. Yeah. 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 But you've seen big business operate and, and you're skeptical. 
Yeah, I mean, there is money to be made. This course, is a humongous yeah. industry, and the the concern, I guess, is that they will have the ear of certain legislators and ask to amend our state program to allow them to come in and have a ton of different shops in Minnesota or a ton of different grow operations and squeeze out the little guy. Curtis Hanna is our guest. He is a lobbyist with Blunt Strategies. Too clever of a name. A little too <laughs> clever. Yeah, It's straight talk that you're referring to in the, the name of the business, right? Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the work here, you know, I think some of us as we watch this process, there was fear that this moved really fast and that, you know, some of the law, well, there's been discussion about the flower uh, uh, being sold at some places already in Minnesota because the, uh, no one seems to know who's in charge of regulating marijuana flower. What's what's your thought as far as like the rulemaking agencies being able to? Have, well, let's start with a broader question. Did it did it go too fast? Is it a little sloppy? I don't think it went too fast. Honestly, I think that the rulemaking authority and uh, the the way in which we have the law set up where the Office of Cannabis Management is able to delegate to the Office of Medical Cannabis related to inspections on cannabis flower um, makes it so this is an issue that doesn't even need to be addressed legislatively. I think that the administration will get that sorted out, even though there's hiccups along the way. What do you expect? You know, I suppose the next battle in this becomes some of the same stuff we've seen with the THC or CBD beverages or uh, gummies or that sort of stuff where city by city people are saying, ah, we don't want this. Is that, will that be the next battleground after sort of the rules are, are made for how this will operate or what's your thought on that? Yeah, local jurisdictions under the new cannabis legalization law are, we're allowed to set up moratoriums, but those expire at the end of this year. Mm. And so Really, the intent of that was to allow them to have some time and space to think through how they're going to create local regulations. But that is something that they have a time limit on. And that is uh, one of the great things about Minnesota's program is that local jurisdictions can't have the equivalent of a dry county and say none of that is allowed here. Very interesting. Have you heard much, Curtis, from, you know, obviously the fact that it is available on some Native American reservations and frankly – uh, smoking marijuana or having a marijuana gummy or whatever is it is legal right now in Minnesota. Have you heard of any issues or anything like that so far? It seems like it's been fairly, I don't know, I don't smell weed everywhere. It, it <laughs> seems like not much has changed as far as I can tell. Yeah, the crazy thing about this whole situation is that the sky didn't fall like the cannabis prohibition prohibitionists pr- predicted. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, essentially, I was proven right that this is something that adults can make adult decisions and there really won't be massive implications. for. Yeah. I think the, r- the real question going forward once we get set up is whether the cost of buying marijuana legally will be so much higher that people are going to still, you know, in most states, people who were already seeing a dealer or whatever, still we're going to a dealer. So I I think that's something that I'll be curious to see how that shakes out. 100%. Yeah. I mean, right now the IRS taxes cannabis businesses an effective tax rate of 70 to 80% uh, because it's a Schedule One drug at the federal level. 
And that is something that's being reviewed right now by the Biden administration. Yeah. So that might be an issue that yeah. we don't have to deal with here. Uh, very interesting stuff. We appreciate the progress report and we'll uh, we'll keep watching it. Curtis Hanna from Blunt Strategies. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. 349 back in just a minute with the latest on Aaron Rodgers speaking out. Did he apologize today to Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> you didn't think he apologized, did you? Next on CCO. Aaron Rodgers is an absolute weirdo. He just is. He's been a weirdo for a long time. Incredibly talented at football. Incredibly talented at getting attention. He, last week on the Pat McAfee show, said there's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, that are really hoping that list doesn't come out. Talking about the Jeffrey Epstein list. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, obviously very upset, dedicated his opening monologue to Aaron Rodgers. So would Aaron Rodgers apologize and say like, oh, that's not, no, this is a game plan of the media. He said they try to cancel and it's not just me. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's not because you're a Packer that I hate you, but get a clue. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.